a supreme reform. Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Turn Limits Movement for the week of July 26, 2021. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. The Presidential Commission on the Supreme Court held another meeting last week in which experts paraded before the commissioners promoting or opposing ideas to improve the court. Many of these ideas were partisan and controversial, but a consensus seems to be coalescing around one proposed reform, term limits. Let's talk to U.S. Tournaments Executive Director Nick Tombolides on the prospects for SCOTUS tournaments and what that could mean to the greater tournaments movement's goals. Hey, Nick. So we got some national tournaments news, um, not on the congressional front, but on the Supreme Court front. What can we expect from that? Um, well, you know what the Supreme Court is, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think you should tell me. It's just a regular court with tomatoes and sour cream. <laughs> no. So, yeah. Okay. The, the, pres- the presidential commission on the Supreme Court, which was formed by Joe Biden to study the court, study reforms, they've been holding meetings and they've brought in a lot of legal, beagle experts to testify. And those experts have been pretty unanimous in support of one thing, and that is adding term limits for the Supreme Court. And it looks like the proposal that's getting the most traction would be 18 years in one seat, after which time I think the judges might be able to rotate down to the lower federal courts. And uh, basically this would go a long way. It would depoliticize the confirmation hearings. It would end a lot of this gamesmanship where judges are trying to time their retirements or not time their retirements based on which president is in office. So the court is acting super politically right now. And um, if term limits are adopted, I think we'd help solve that problem. Yeah, the 18-year limit is the one we've been talking about for years. Uh, it seems reasonable. You want to have a long term limit for this purpose. Not In legislatures, of course, you don't, as we talk about. But for the, you do want to have an aloofness and actually a uh, separation between the people and judges um, that you don't want to see in a legislature. And 18 is makes sense mathematically because it means that under normal circumstances, each president would get to to choose two Supreme Court judges, and that gives uh, a certain amount of fairness to it, and also it makes it really clear what you're voting for when you're voting for president, you know, that you're probably going to have two justices chosen during this person's term. We've known, obviously, for a long time in this organization how popular term limits are, but it was apparently news to some of these members of Joe Biden's commission, because I have a quote here. This is from Commissioner Michael Waldman, who's also the president of the Brennan Center for Justice, said, It has been striking for us as members of the commission how widespread the support for term limits is across the political spectrum. Yeah. Um, So it it would help the court immensely. Uh, It's a good alternative to court packing, which some people have floated as a reform, but which is extremely partisan um, and very unpopular with certain segments of the population and would only benefit one political party or the other. Right. Um, you know, the interests of justice are not served at all by that, but uh, they're definitely served by term limits, which would benefit presidents on both sides of the aisle who would have an opportunity to make their mark on the court. Right. And I think we should be clear that this commission is put together for the purpose of discussing lots of different ideas. Term limits is only one, 
But you know what? It's really the only one that appears to be getting real traction or a consensus. Uh, like you said, most of these other ideas, actually most of the other ideas, are basically intended to somehow game the system to get what they want out of the court, not just to improve the way the court functions, which is what you're trying to get from term limits. It, it's it's because part of that is just the practical politics. They're not going to get anything done without a bipartisan consensus. Um, you know, our country keeps flipping back and forth between different parties controlling the White House and Congress. The Democrats have 50 seats in the Senate right now. Uh, if you need a constitutional amendment, as we've stated, you need a two-thirds vote. Um, so something that is highly unpopular with one side of the political spectrum or the other has no chance in hell right now, right. Has, has no prayer, whereas term limits is overwhelmingly popular with a supermajority of Americans, regardless of political affiliation. Right. Um, there is some debate, though, on whether this would require a constitutional amendment or just a, a statute, is there not? Oh, right. Yeah, that's actually a big question, and that's one that um, I think that we might even be torn about in a way. You know, you would think it would require a constitutional amendment, but that's not necessarily true because there's no bar from Congress doing it in the Constitution except for in Article 3, um, when it talks about the court, it says that the uh, federal judges, quote, shall hold their offices during good behavior. Well, well if, if that were true, we wouldn't have federal judges. <laughs> well, I guess that's right, too. But it also means that, that, that can you double check that? <laughs> it just says, hey, I'm looking at it right here. <laughs> Article three. No, yeah, lot, lots of um, scholars have interpreted that to mean that um, Supreme Court justices serve for life. But like I mentioned before, if you can rotate them down to a lower court um, within the federal system, are they not then still holding federal office and, you know, seeding way to new blood on the Supreme Court. Yeah, um, that's a little clever. It's a little clever. And I got to tell you, I don't I tend not to like that kind of like finding a way to do it jurisprudence. But at the same time, it actually does seem to fit the legal situation. I mean, the Congress is not barred from doing this. It's not the rules are not set in the Constitution, except for that they serve during good behavior. So if a new framework would take into account that judges will uh, stay in office as long as they're in good behavior, then I guess it would, it'll pass constitutional muster. There'll be a fight. There'll be a fight. There, there wouldn't be a fight if it was done by traditional means and the Constitution was just amended to do this, but I think there'll be a fight over whether or not it can be done by statute. It would still be a, a big step in the right direction. Um, it yeah. would eliminate a lot of the circus, a lot of the partisanship. It would. It would ensure that our nation's laws are not so highly dependent on when these judges either die or move to Boca. And it would get those two all-important words into the national conversation. Term, Term limits. limits. Yes, right. it would get the ball rolling, and it might spark a discussion of, hey, we've got term limits for the executive branch. Mm -hmm. Now we're discussing term limits for the judicial branch. Mm -hmm. um, if I remember fifth grade civics, there's another branch of government out there that doesn't have any term limits. Maybe they should be next. Maybe they um, should be next. And what's interesting is the White House, they brought in experts on term limits for this commission. And yet here we are, the oldest, largest, and dare I say wisest term <laughs> limits group across these fruited plains. And we weren't invited. I never got a call, never got a fax, never got a telex, never got an email. Did you? No, and surely they saw your YouTube video of speaking in front of the uh, Senate committee. 
Well, maybe that's why you were Probably invited. because they, <laughs> <laughs> they knew if we got in on the action, we would be asking why Congress is leaving itself out of the equation here. Yeah, well, they're right. We would. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, that's great. That, that is progress. And I'll tell you what, um, this commission is going to meet a few more times. They are scheduled to submit their final report to uh, President Biden on November 14th. So we'll see what comes out of that, and we'll report on it. Definitely. Corruption. California Congressman Eric Swalwell is best known for his girlfriend, Christina Fang, also known as Fang Fang, who had to flee the country after being identified by the FBI as a Chinese spy. But this year, the 40-year-old congressman is being investigated, as it is being alleged he is spending tens of thousands of dollars of campaign contributions on liquor, limos, high-end steakhouses, and five-star hotels, something prohibited by federal law. Naturally, someone who so enthusiastically embraces the special opportunities of power is hardly likely to want to give it up. And indeed, Representative Swalwell has refused to sign the U.S. Tournament's Congressional Pledge, which would commit him to co-sponsor and vote for the Congressional Tournament's Amendment. Like his relationship with Fang Fang and his lavish lifestyle, Tournaments is not something the congressman likes to discuss. In 2019, CNN's Poppy Harlow made Representative Swalwell squirm with this simple question. Term limits. Interesting uh, proposal by Republican Senator Ted Cruz and also Republican Francis Rooney. It proposes a constitutional amendment, and it would instill term limits for both the Senate, two terms, and three two-year terms for the House. Do you support that? I think the best term limit is to have public financing of campaigns and independent redistricting. I beat so a 40-year Democrat. That's a no, year Demo- that's a that's no, a no a constitutional a- amendment. But Congress comes with lots of perks, some legal. For instance, Swalwell and his wife, yes, he's married, traveled to Qatar in the Middle East on a junket paid for by the U.S. Qatar Business Council. This trip got him in hot water too, as while he was being photographed, smiling and riding shirtless on a camel, his constituents were in lockdown in California due to a pandemic. The Cutter trip was legal, but misuse of campaign contributions is not. You recall from a previous corruption segment on this podcast that Duncan Hunter, a Republican, and his wife were busted doing the same thing, albeit on a larger scale. Hunter spent 11 months in prison. Specifically, Representative Swalwell is accused of spending over $20,000 of campaign money at the ritzy Half Moon Bay Resort on the Northern California coast, including on limos and liquor. He also spent over $7,000 at high-end steakhouses in D.C. and New York City. FEC reports suggest he has also spent $566 on alcohol delivery from Drizzly's and $1,151 at Capitol Hill Wine and Spirits near Congress. Now, some of that money may have been solicited by Fang Fang, who was a financial contribution bundler for the Swalwell campaign. According to the FBI, Fang Fang had struck up relationships with municipal politicians, including two Midwest mayors, who they didn't name, before moving on to Swalwell, who was then a Dublin, California council member. She was a member of the Chinese Student Association at California State University, East Bay, where she enrolled after arriving in the States in 2021. Assisting Swalwell in being elected to Congress in 2013, Fang continued to work with Swalwell 
until she was alerted of the FBI investigation and returned to China in 2015. Swalwell broke off all ties with her right away. The relationship almost cost Representative Swalwell his seat on the House Intelligence Committee, but didn't. Regardless whether or not Swalwell crossed the line into illegality with his wild recreational spending, we'll find out soon enough. But the archetype of the power-seeking, women-chasing, free-spending partier is no stranger in the U.S. Congress or any other legislative body. This is why term limits are so necessary and why politicians loathe them. some other national tournaments news this week uh the the issue popped up in the uh was it alabama senate race yeah that's right in one of the more hotly contested uh senate primaries in the country you've got alabama u.s senator richard shelby who is one of the senate's young guns at 87 he is hanging up his boots after six terms um so that seat will be open next year and one of the front runners for that seat, actually Senator Shelby's former chief of staff, Katie Britt, has just made some uh, negative comments about term limits. Well, maybe I, I consider them a bit negative. You might say they're ambivalent. Uh, she has said we need to protect seniority in the Senate. Seniority is very important for Alabama. And so she won't commit to term limits. And she has not signed the U.S. term limits pledge yet, which is really the key indicator uh, so we're playing wait and see here. Keep in mind, uh, she's got opponents. Uh, she's got three major opponents, Congressman Mo Brooks, businesswoman Jessica Taylor, and Ambassador Linda Blanchard. And all three of her opponents have signed the U.S. Term Limits Pledge. Uh, Katie Britt has not signed because she claims Alabama needs seniority in the Senate. Oh, well, it's got some of that. Now, seniority is just another word for career politicians, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, one of the benefits of uh, tournaments is that it levels the seniority between members. Um, and it doesn't mean that once you've been elected and reelected and then therefore can't lose elections anymore, that you automatically are at the uh, top of the heap and in charge of the entire body. So the fact that uh, when somebody claims that that seniority is so valuable, what they're really saying is that the status quo is great and the same people that are in power should remain there. Well, I don't know why we never study the cause and effect. I hear politicians say this sometimes. We need seniority. We need seniority. Well, that's what you have. How's that working out for you? Right. Um, it's 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 like if you're looking at a house that uh, that's on fire and you're saying, you know, we really need some gasoline. We really need some gasoline to pour on this fire. Seniority is the problem. Seniority is the root of every single problem. Uh, the ladder climbing, the incumbency, the disconnect from constituents, the lack of fresh faces and ideas, the corruption, the entrenchment, lobbyists and special interests. Seniority is the problem. Open your eyes, folks. By the way, in our last state poll in Alabama, this was 2017, still pretty recent, 81% of Alabamians said they support a constitutional amendment for term limits on Congress. So I think if Katie Britt wants to learn more about this, she just needs to Start talking with people in Alabama. Start talking with your possible constituents because um, they seem to know this issue better than you do. Yeah. 
One last thing. Uh, this is this one's a little more local for us, or at least for me. I'm in South Florida, and um, it's come to my attention that uh, down in Miami, Miami Beach, there is a gentleman who is just finishing his second four-year term on the city commission of Miami Beach. His name is Michael Gongura, and he is uh, running. He wants to run for a. It's actually his fourth term. The first term was was not a complete one because he was appointed, but he's, he wants to run for his fourth term um, after finishing a second full term. And um, he's running into a little problem, and that is that in 2014, voters with 71% of the vote passed a eight-year term limit law that was retroactive. And he claims it doesn't apply to him. <laughs> what do you think about that? It kind of reminds me of George Costanza on Seinfeld when he yeah. kept showing up for work even after he got fired, just hoping nobody would notice. This guy, <laughs> he's suing the city. He's claiming that basically that he's above the law. The term limits don't apply to him because it was passed after he got elected. Have you ever heard of the word retroactivity, bub? Um, it, he claims it doesn't specifically say that it's retroactive. It actually does. It, yeah, I know the word, it does. The word retroactive right is in. <laughs> <laughs> it's right in the the ballot measure. Um, there was even an attorney who was quoted as saying, uh, "Local attorney Juan Planas, um, I've been very honest with him that I don't think he has a case." Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, the city he turned in his paperwork to run, and the uh, within thirty minutes of doing so, I think it was about thirty minutes of doing so. The uh, city attorney contacted him and said, look, just because we took your paperwork doesn't mean that we're accepting it. I mean, <laughs> you're not eligible to run in this town. So the politicians didn't circle their wagons around him, which sometimes happens, but it didn't happen in this case. They immediately said, what are you kidding? They just The voters just overwhelmingly passed this retroactive eight-year term limit, and you're running for your fourth term? Oh, man. By, by the way, just editorial comment here. That's fair. How many people live in Miami Beach? Is it, It's probably 100,000, right? Oh, gosh. You know what? I, that's probably fair. I don't know. Yeah. And they, they probably have five people on the city council. They have term limits, eight-year term limits. So every eight years, you have to find a new councilman. But we're being told by this guy that in the entire city of Miami Beach, in that entire population of 100,000 people, there isn't one person who can do as good or a better job as Michael Gongura. He is the indispensable man He's like a modern-day Teddy Roosevelt, and without his public service, the city is just going to become overrun with poverty and crime and malaise. Yeah. Is that what politicians actually believe? No, they don't. You know what? Well, he told his friends. He was quoted as telling his friends. This is sort of maybe a little bit rumor-like, but it was from a blog or something. But he was telling his friends how he thinks there's a loophole in the law that he can get around. You know, That's what he was thinking. Nothing so grand as that. He's just a little rat looking for a piece of cheese, and he thinks he found it. I think when city council members look in the mirror, they see some combination of Gandhi, JFK, and George Washington, because <laughs> they, they seem to believe they are irreplaceable. It's amazing. Well, they need a new mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. The term limits convention bills are moving through the state legislatures. This could be a breakthrough year for the term limits movement. To check on the status of the term limits convention resolution in your state, go to termlimits.com slash take action. There, you will see if it has been introduced and where it stands in the committee process on its way to the floor vote. If there's action to take, you'll see a take action button by your state. Click it. 
This will give you the opportunity to send a message to the most relevant legislators, urging them to support the legislation. They have to know you're watching. That's turnlimits.com slash take action. If your state has already passed the Turn Limits Convention resolution, or the bill's not been introduced in your state, you can still help. Please consider making a contribution to U.S. Term Limits. It is our aim to hit the reset button on the U.S. Congress, and you can help. Go to termlimits.com slash donate. termlimits.com slash donate. Thanks. We'll be back next week. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast. Yeah.